Um, the title of our message this morning is called Christmas, It's All About Worship. And I just want to uh, walk you through a few, uh, a few um, examples of that through the New Testament. I'll start in, in the, the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, then we'll move to the Gospel of Luke. Um, but uh, I want you to just think about this. As I just begin to think about Christmas, and, and I was thinking about the video, and by the way, the video was, was uh, we played that to, um, you know, for those of you that liked, would like to give, you know, uh, at the end of the year, a lot of people like to do this uh, end of the year giving. We have a table set up out uh, in, the, in the foyer where uh, Jennifer will be, and uh, I think we have five ministries that are represented there. One is Mexico Missions, which is a mission uh, that we have that Jim and Pat, um, you know, um, do in Mexico, right at Palomas, right on the, uh, just across the border from uh, Columbus. And um, we have an orphanage there, so uh, uh, their ministry is to uh, the orphans, which the Bible speaks about, widows and orphans, are just number one on God's list, list of people to take care of. We have a ministry in India called Wells of Life, or Wells for Life, and uh, we go in, Mike Beiser is the son of a former pastor of this church, and uh, he goes over with a team and they drill water wells and bring in fresh water to villages. Uh, we have the homeless ministry. Um, we have, uh, trying to think of what else I've got out there. Um, Israel, we have, an, uh, we have Israel on our ministry, and I think... Uh, I mean, there are a number of, uh, and we'll change that even next week. We have, have the youth, uh, they're always in need of money. You know how kids are? They go through it like, like they go through pizza at your house. Um, anyway, there are a number of, uh, there are good ministries there, and we just encourage you to, you know, to be a part of it. If you want to give, you can do that. You can just uh, designate, just put the money in the jar. You can write the check to the Light at Mission Viejo. We'll make sure that it gets to uh, the mission that you designate. So in uh, Matthew chapter 1, uh, we begin the story like this. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of, of Judea, it says, the, um, during the time of King Herod, Magi, these are called wise men. This word is actually a, a word uh, that we get our word magic from. So we don't really know a whole lot about them. The Christmas tradition is there were three because of the three gifts that they bought, but, or brought, but we don't know. A whole lot about them but we do know this we know that they saw a star and something you know uh, was struck inside them to follow this star um, because they had been it had been revealed to them that uh, the Messiah had been born and so they they came from the east to Jerusalem and they asked where is the one that had born king of the Jews we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him and when King Herod um, and by the way, King Herod was also called King of the Jews. He was known as King of the Jews. But when the wise men showed up, they said, where is this star? Or they said, where is the one who is born King of the Jews? Now, can you imagine King, you being King Herod and someone coming in and saying, where is the one born King of the Jews? And um, what do you think he thought? I mean, he might have thought, I told you guys this crown wasn't big enough. They didn't recognize I'm a king. They can recognize that I am the king. I am the king of the Jews. What do you mean? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Uh, he probably had a lot of thoughts going through his mind, but we know this. It says in verse 3, we, we pick up. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, that's an interesting statement. 
all of Jerusalem, they're waiting. For, you know, several thousands of years, the Jews are waiting for the coming one, the anointed one, the Messiah. They have been waiting, and when they heard that he had come, it said that they were all disturbed. And it goes on, it says that when, verse 4, when he, King Herod, had called together the people, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And so they go back into history, about 700 years back into history, to the book of Micah, and they said that the Messiah was to be born, because this is what Micah records 700 years before Jesus is even born. They replied, this is the chief priest, replied to the king, that he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They replied, for this is what the prophet had written, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And when they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star which they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. And when, the, when they saw the, store, the star, they were over, overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And listen to this. The first thing that they do is that they bow down and they worship. And that's what I mean when I say Christmas. It's all about worship. And we'll see from these other examples, and I've got a few more. And they opened their treasures and, and, and presents or presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I won't take the time to, you know, to go into that, but each one of those represent you know, something special in the life of Jesus. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And then we move to Luke's gospel. And it says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They were keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels praising God. Okay, So we got the wise men uh, worshiping. We got the angels praising God and uh, I know that some of you are thinking, well, is that all you got? There's only two. No, i got a couple more. Um, and then it says they were singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom, on whom his favors rest. And it says, and the angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. And that's what Christmas is really about today. We talk about the amazement of Christmas, those that marvel, those that have awe about this, uh, this event that happened almost 2,000 years ago. And I want to just once again remind you, that every time that you write a letter and every time that you write a date on a check, every time that you write a date on anything that you're acknowledging that 2,000 years ago something happened, well, let me tell you what that something was. Jesus Christ stood, was born in Bethlehem and divided time and so that even today, everything that is written, every date that is ever written is, is either written before the time that he was born or after the time that he was born. And many, many years ago, and not too many years ago, uh, 
many people would sign off their letter or sign their letter, you know, whatever it was, May the 21st, 1952, or in the year of our Lord, May the 21st, 1952. That was not uncommon to see on a letter, in the year of our Lord. And so today when we write a date, a day, we would say today is in the year of our Lord, December the 20th, uh, 2015. It says, in the shepherd's return, notice how, notice this. It says, the shepherd's return, they were glorifying and praising Lord. You see how this is kind of contagious. They, everybody, it's like we got Herod, we got the angels, and now we got the shepherds are returning, and they're praising the Lord. And then there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved one day while he's in the temple, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents, that would be Mary and Joseph, brought the child to Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took, his, took him in his arm. And notice the first thing that he does. He praises God. He's excited about the moment, about what's going on. And then we have the story about Zachariah and Elizabeth. And uh, you know from the story that Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were very old, a lot like Abraham and Sarah. And they were well beyond the childbearing age. But uh, Zachariah was a priest. He was in the, pre in the temple uh, doing the priestly duties. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him that he and his wife Elizabeth were going to have a child. And he was having trouble comprehending this. How can it happen? I mean, it's, it's impossible. We are, I'm old and she's old and, you know, it, it's just not working anymore. You know, uh, maybe that's not the word to use. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, golly. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, I, <laughs> oh, my gosh. What did I say? All right, so he's, 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 <laughs> oh, God. We got to go home. Let's just go. We got to go home. <laughs> All right, he's in the temple, and the angel appears to him and says, you're going to have a child. And he has a hard time believing it. And he, because he doesn't believe the angel, the angel says, you are going to be a mute until the time the child is born. And, um, and so it's about nine months later the child, John the Baptist, is born, and they're in the house, and the family is there, and they're asking um, his wife, Elizabeth, you know, what do you want to call the child? And she said, I want to call the child John. And the family's like all in, like, you know, how could you do that? You can't call him John. You know, nobody in your family is named John. And uh, um, so Zechariah asked for a writing tablet, and on the writing tablet, he writes, his name is John. And it says, I mean, this is so cool, guys. It says, immediately, the first thing 
that Zacharias says. He says that, first of all, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he prophesies. And he says, praise be to the God. Notice the first thing that it comes out of his mouth is praise. He says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to the people or to his people to redeem them. Um, you know, I, this is just, a, you know, it's just this crescendo of praise. It's just like, you know, once somebody starts praising, then someone else starts praising and someone else starts praising. And then Mary happens to be there. And then she begins to, you know, this is this is called the uh, Magnificat, you know, Mary's song. And Mary, she begins to respond. And notice the first thing that she says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. And he shows mercy from generation to generation to all that fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud one and the haughty ones, and he has brought down the lowly princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. He has made the promise to our, uh, for he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. So she just breaks out into this song of praise. And I want to talk about the, you know, the, the lessons that we can learn from Mary's song. And um, when she begins to pray, she starts out, you know, Praise the Lord. Oh, how uh, uh, my soul praises the Lord and my, my spirit rejoices in God, my, my Savior, for he has taken notice of his servant girl. And he, then he goes, she goes on to say, for the mighty one, the great one. And uh, that word just kind of tra translate, you know, it, it's like big. You know, I, I just want to praise God in a bigger way. Bigger than anything else in my life, I want to praise God. And, you know, I know guys that we get off, you know, I mean, we can, we can get our minds set on houses or cars or land or, or, you know, any golf clubs, any of those things. Then they become, you know, for a moment big in our life and God takes the back burner. But she is saying that I'm going to make God bigger than anything in my life. And I want us to do that today as well. You know, we can get so focused and, you know, you know, the, the people that don't even believe in Jesus have, have a, a magnificent way of marketing this time of year. Because, you know, if you buy this, it will make you happy. Or if you buy this, it will bring joy into your life. Or you deserve this. And, you know, it's all about, you know, tangible things. But, you know, I don't want us to be like, uh, like Esau, you know, who traded his birthright. The most important thing that he could have, he traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. I don't want us to be like Judas Iscariot who traded the most important thing that he had for 30 pieces of silver. He sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I, I want God to be big in our life. I want us to serve a big God because he is a big God. And I want us to make big uh, our worship and our praise of him. You know, I, 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 before I get into uh, the breakdown of Mary's song, I want to, uh, you know, just share this story with you. I came across, and every once in a while, I'll read these stories, and, and you know, I mean, I'll just be reading them, and, and just all of a sudden, I'll just break down and start crying, you know, in the middle of the story, and I hope I don't do that here. I was going to call on one of you to read it, because I love to see people cry, and, uh, 
It said on a cold Christmas Eve in 1952 when uh, Korea was in the throes of a civil war, one young woman struggled along the village street, obviously soon to deliver a child. She pleaded with a passerby, help me, please, my baby, but no one paid attention to her. A middle-aged couple walked by, and the wife pushed away the young mother and sneered, where's the father? Where's your American man now? The couple laughed and went on. The young woman almost doubled up from contractions as she watched them go. Please, she begged. She had heard of a missionary living nearby who might help her, and hurriedly she began her walk to that village. If only he would help her baby. Shivering and in pain, she struggled over the frozen countryside, but the night was cold and the snow began to fall, and realizing that the time was near to deliver the baby, she took shelter under a bridge, and there alone, her baby was born on Christmas Eve. Worried about her newborn son, she took off her own clothes and wrapped them around the baby and held him close in, a war in the warm circle of her arms. The next day, the missionary braved the new snow to deliver Christmas packages, and as he walked along, he heard the cry of a baby. He followed the sound to a bridge, and under it he found a young mother, frozen to death, still clutching her crying newborn son. The missionary tenderly lifted the baby out of her arms, and when the baby was 10 years old, his now adoptive father told him the story of his mother's death on Christmas Eve. And the young boy cried, realizing the sacrifice his mother had made for him. And the next morning, the missionary rose early to find the boy's bed empty, seeing a fresh set of small prints in the snow outside. He bundled up warmly in a winter coat and followed the trail. It led back to the bridge where the young mother had died. As the missionary approached the bridge, he stopped and stunned, kneeling in the snow, was his son, naked and shivering uncontrollably, with his clothes laying beside him in a small pile. Moving closer, he heard the boy say through chattering teeth, Mother, were you this cold for me? Going back to Mary's song, there are several things in there that I want to point out, and then we'll wrap this up. We worship. Mary worshiped God. She broke out in praise. Zechariah worshiped God. He broke out in praise. Simeon worshiped God. He broke out in praise. Zechariah, the wise men, they all worshiped God. They all broke out in praise. We worship God, and we see this in Mary's song. We worship God because he sees us. And that's what Mary says. He has seen the lowly estate or estate of his servant. We worship God because he sees. The Lord has said, I've surely seen in another place, in another time in history, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows, and I've come down to deliver them from the hands of the Egyptians. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I do want you to know this right now, and I speak to this family right here on the front row. God knows what you're going through. He knows your sorrow. He knows you know, what, what you're dealing with right now. Not only does he know, but he cares, and that's for anyone else in the room as well. He knows you. He has surely seen your reflection. He has heard your cry. The second reason, and we see this in, in Mary's song, she talks about the mighty hand of God, the strength of God. She begins to worship God because of God's mighty hand, that God is able. 
And I, I just want you to know that you may be going through something right now that you don't think that even God is big enough to handle your problem. I want to tell you that God is able to do that and much more than you would even ask or even think of. It says, we worship God because he is the Lord. He's powerful. Um, the Bible says that the Lord, the Lord's right hand conquers. The Lord, Lord's right hand gives us victory. The hand of the Lord conquers. I will not die, but I will live, and I will proclaim what the Lord has done from Psalm 118. We worship the Lord because he is holy. Mary points that out about the holiness of God. Remember Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. You know, he begins to say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. And she just puts that, that little verse in here. We worship the Lord because he is holy. And, uh, you know, if we were to stand in his presence, I don't think we would stand in his presence. I don't think we could stand in his presence. I think we would be on, on our faces before him. And the Bible says that who is like you, O God, or O Lord among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, fearful in praises and wonder? Working Wonders from Exodus 15. We worship the Lord because he is merciful. And I couldn't really get off of this one because I think about the mercy of God, the whole reason that Jesus came to the cross. His tender mercies endure forever. But that's, you know, Jesus was born for one reason. He was born to die. He was born to go to the cross for my sins and your sins. And if I said so many times in, in this place, there's no one in this room that's perfect. And that starts with me and ends with you. There's no one here that's perfect. We are all sinners. The Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all, you know, turned from, uh, you know, our, our right, from righteousness. And, and, you know, we've all uh, just, you know, gone our own ways, just like sheep. You know, we've all been led astray. The, the sin of this world has led us astray from the, the, the majesty and the glory uh, and the preciousness of God, we have been led astray. And Jesus has come back to this place to redeem us. He is a God that is merciful. Let us therefore, because he is merciful, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in, the, in help and help in a time of need. And then Micah puts it like this. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over transgression to the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities, and yet he will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. He is a merciful God. I, could, I find thousands of scriptures talking about the mercy of God. It's hard to just pick one. We worship the Lord because he remembers. If I could get the worship team to come back because... I want to close with one verse, just a, just a small segment of that song that we did. I'll tell you when you get up here. We worship the Lord because he remembers. He's a God. He is God. He's a God. He's a God that's in charge of the whole earth, and he remembers. He remembers. He says, uh, the, the scripture says, uh, he is God, our God, in charge of the whole earth, and he remembers. He remembers his covenant. For a thousand generations, he's been as good as his word. That's from the message. For a thousand generations, he's been as good as his word. And Mary remembers that at the end of her song. She says in verse 55 that he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. While these guys are getting set up, uh, 
we all know how Christmas shopping is, and I came across this story again, another one of those tearjerker stories. The lady says that I hurried, hurried into the local department store to grab some last-minute Christmas, Christmas gifts. I looked at all the people and grumbled to myself. I'd be in here forever. I had so much to do for Christmas. Was, uh, Christmas was begin to be, be, beginning to be a drag for me, and I kind of wished that I could just sleep through Christmas. But I hurried the best I could through all the people to the toy department. Once again, I mumbled to myself at these prices of these toys and wondered if the grandkids would even play with them. And I found myself in the doll aisle. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw a little boy about five years old holding a lovely doll. And he kept touching her hair and gently held her. I could not seem to help myself. I just kept looking over at the little boy, wondering who the doll was for. And I watched him turn to a woman that he called his aunt by name and said, Are you sure I don't have enough money? And she replied a bit impatiently, You know you don't have enough money for it. And the aunt told the little boy not to go anywhere, that she had to get some other things and would be back in a few minutes. And then she left the aisle. The boy continued to hold the doll. After a bit, I asked the boy who the doll was for. He said, the doll is for my sister. She wanted it so badly for Christmas. She just knew that Santa would bring it. And I told him that maybe Santa was going to bring it. And he said, no, Santa can't go where my sister is. I have to give the doll to my mama, and she's going to take it to her. And I asked him where his sister was, and he looked at me with the saddest eyes and said, she's gone to be with Jesus. My daddy says that mama's going to have to go be with, with him or with her as well. My heart, was nearly, my heart nearly stopped beating. The boy looked at me again and said, I told my daddy to tell mama not to go yet. I told him to tell her to wait till I got back from the store. Then he asked me if I wanted to see a picture, and I told him I'd love to. He pulled out some pictures that he had taken from the, uh, in front of the store. He said, he, he, he said, I want Mama to take this with her so she doesn't ever forget me. I love my Mama so much, and I wish she would not have to leave me and Daddy. Uh, but Daddy says that she will need to be with my sister. And I saw that the little boy had lowered his head and grown very quiet. While he was not looking, I reached in my purse and pulled out a handful of bills. I asked the little boy, shall we count the money just once more? And he grew excited and said, yes. And I said, I know it's going to be enough. So I slipped my money in with his, and we began to count it. Of course, there was plenty for the doll. And he softly said, thank you, Jesus, for giving me enough money. Then the boy said, I just asked Jesus to give me enough money to buy this doll so Mama can take it with her to give to my sister. And he heard my prayer, and I wanted to ask him for enough money to buy Mama a white rose, but I didn't ask him. But he gave me enough money to buy the doll and a rose for my Mama. She loves white roses so very much. And in a few minutes, the aunt came back, and I wheeled my cart away. I could not keep from thinking about the little boy as I finished my shopping in a totally different spirit than when I started. And I kept remembering the story I'd seen in a newspaper several days earlier about a drunk driver hitting a car, killing a little girl, and the mother was in serious condition. The family was deciding on whether to remove uh, her from life support. Now, surely this was the boy that, uh, that belonged to that story. Two days later, I read in the newspaper where the family had disconnected the life support and the young woman had died. And I could not forget the little boy and just kept wondering if the two were somehow connected. Later that day, I could not help myself. I went out and bought some white roses, took them to the funeral home where the young woman was, and there she was holding lovely white roses and a beautiful doll and a picture of the little boy in the store. 
I left there with tears in my eyes, changed forever. I loved the love the little boy had for his sister and his mother was overwhelming. And in a split second, a drunk driver had ripped the life of the little boy to pieces. And then they closed by saying this. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. There's a verse in this song. I'm just going to ask you, not, not a command, but if you were able, physically able, there's a verse in the song that says, fall on your knees. And if you feel like doing that, if you just feel like kneeling or bowing before the Lord as we close, and then Orlando will lead us in a, uh, a prayer of release. But I encourage you to do it. You know, that song says, fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Maybe it's been a while since you've really, really grasped the real meaning Christmas. I know that, you know, shopping and all the hustle and bustle can take our minds off of what we're really celebrating and what Christmas is really about. If you feel...